0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, this is Pia Barancini and welcome to Everything is the Best, the podcast where I get vulnerable and make others do it with me. The goal here is to deep dive into interesting people's journeys, finding common denominators, and hopefully making you feel not so alone. So let's laugh, let's cry, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Hello, my darlings. Welcome back to another week. At 23, Afton Beckery was working in healthcare and private equity When she started looking into women's health and IVF clinics, specifically the unaddressed emotional component and lack of proactive fertility education, after her doctor declined her request to test her hormone levels, Afton had to go to a fertility clinic where she was charged $1,500 for a basic panel. And so began the journey to Modern Fertility, a woman's health company that provides a comprehensive fertility hormone test you can take at home for only $159. They also provide research, education, and support so you can present your doctor with your findings and make informed decisions about your life plan and starting a family. In her research, Afton talked to thousands of women who received misinformation, roadblocks, and conflicting advice while just trying to be proactive about their health. Modern Fertility believes that we all deserve clinically sound information so we can do what's right for us, whatever that may be. They believe that having a reliable, trusted resource for reproductive health information is a right and not a privilege. You all know I have been struggling with my fertility and specifically our almost impossible healthcare system. So I'm beyond happy to share this information with all of you so you can prevent what I'm going through now. Also, pro tip, Wonder Fertility has an ovulation kit that you can scan into the app so you know exactly when you're ovulating. Isn't that genius? Enjoy. It's such an amazing uh, time. I mean, selfishly for me personally with what I'm going through because I, it's almost like I manifest manifested this conversation because it must have been... 10 days ago, I wrote on Instagram that women need to be responsible for making their gynecologists give them the appropriate tests. And everyone was like, what tests? And it's like, then here you are with modern fertility. <laughs> I am just obsessed
1: with the fact that you said that. <laughs> I love tests. <laughs> Obviously, with, with uh, my my company and just everything that we stand for, um, that exact conversation, we see a world where routine fertility hormone testing should just be as routine as a pap smear and just table stakes where every single woman has the option to have the insight into her reproductive health. And so I am so pumped to just
0: get into all of the, the details and the, the science of the emotional side, just everything with you. Well, I had assumed like... When we started, I made an appointment with my gynecologist who uh, was my mom's gynecologist. He delivered me. So I'm thinking I'm in such a safe space and he has my best intentions and he there's an emotional capacity there, whatever. And so I brought my husband... that appointment. And I, the only intention of that appointment was to let the doctor know that we were trying because I had assumed it would be within his protocol to then say, okay, great. Well, let's give you an ultrasound. Let's make sure everything's working. Do you have any ovarian cysts anywhere knowing that I had them in the past? You know, uh, what's your A count? Like what's your reserve? All of that. And none of it happened. And the response was what I'm finding is to be the very typical response is try for a year and come back.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the unfortunate reality of where our system is today and that this entire concept of fertility doesn't exist in the medical system. It's only infertility where you have to actively try and conceive for nine to 12 months before anything can be covered, before that conversation can even happen. And so Mm -hmm. when we think about that preconception visit, which uh, should happen, is is recommended, our our view is that there is so much more um, that you can do at that visit to just under understand and check in and have that baseline to give you more information about how to navigate the overall process. And so, um, yeah, there's fertility hormone testing. uh, There's carrier status screening where you can understand the genetic risks of, of both um, you and your your partner. And um, yeah, I mean, it was my experience as well. My introduction to the whole fertility and infertility space was way back uh, when I was 22 and my first job out of college. And I felt like I got this unique insight into this world of fertility hormone testing. And so when I went back many years later to access that testing, my OBGYN said, no, you're not actively trying and failing to conceive. I'm not going to order these tests for you. And to me, that was just, That was that was crazy, and uh, caused me to have to go into an infertility clinic uh, to get those results. It took me a very long time to to get the testing done, but when I finally did, it was just so impactful to have that conversation with my partner, my doctor, myself. Uh, But then I got a bill in the mail a few weeks later for fifteen hundred dollars. No, the the kicker, yeah, and that was on top of a seven hundred dollar consult at the the clinic at the time. No way! Oh my god. Yeah and there was just there was no discussion I had no idea and I mean, yeah. Through that process, I mean, I got diagnosed with PCOS. I just, I, I learned so much about my my body. But it was just, it was so unexpected to, yeah, have to, to pay that much for it. And so that's why we decided to to start a company, just taking, uh, prescribing fertility information, taking all of this information and bundling it up and having it in one place, so that you could start to to learn from experts and and just have that education on your hormones, on your body, around how to think about this this journey.
0: Milk and Honey was founded and bootstrapped by Alyssa Bayer and is a line of non-toxic, effective and safe bath body and skincare made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible. That means choosing organic above all else and making Thoughtful, informed choices on safe, synthetic ingredients when organic isn't available. The products are developed alongside their in-house team of estheticians, tested and approved to make sure you look and feel good from the inside out. The brand now accounts for six luxury spas and salons between Austin, Houston, and Fort Worth, Texas, with an upcoming expansion to Brentwood in Los Angeles, which is great for me. Alyssa has not only the client's well-being in mind. She wants her employees to be safe and healthy too. Too often, estheticians, stylists, and nail therapists find their hands covered in chemicals all day long. That's where Alyssa wanted to disrupt how spa protocols and products were utilized and source. Thus, clean spas and clean products were born. Milk and Honey's first ever skincare line launched in 2019 after years of testing and development with estheticians and clients. The best sellers include the gel cleanser, Luxe Face Oil, and Hydrating Rose Mist, which I have in all of my bags. And now, everything is the best. Listeners can take 15% off your next order at milkandhoney.com with code PIA15. That's milkandhoney.com code PIA15.
1: Hey guys, it's Gabi from What's Gobby Cooking? And seeing as how we've all got a little extra time on our hands at home, um, hello, social distancing, let's get down to business in the kitchen. Come hang every Monday while we talk about all things food and I answer your burning questions about cooking, ingredients, swaps, tips and tricks, etc. I'm also going to be highlighting super rad small businesses and we're going to be learning about other incredible makers in the food world and who even knows what else. Anything's fair game in 2020, right? What's Gabby cooking in the wild? Here we come.
0: So, when you decided to start Modern Fertility, I'd love to know, even just from an entrepreneurial standpoint, what that looked like. Because, you know, it's like, as I've been going through this process, I'm like, I must come up with a solution. But at no point am I like, I'm going to start a company. Because <laughs> I just, I can't even imagine where you had to had to start from, okay, of course, just you have to raise money. But on top of that, like, how do you gather information? How do you come up with tests? How do you know that they work? How do you know that they're appropriate? How do you know what, you know, like all those protocols, like, please like walk me through that process. Cause I think it's fascinating. Oh so, so much. Um,
1: well, I think, you know, I, well, first of all, I think it's a very crazy decision to start a company. And when I think about <laughs> Modern Fertility, it was really kind of stumbling on this area of the world that I just I couldn't believe that there were not more resources and not more information and tools and women's health to equip women to navigate this process and have more information for themselves. And so I think when you get to the point where you're just, you're waking up every morning, like so obsessed with improving the world and and creating the world that you want to live in, I I think that that is really what you need to get up every day to continue to to work on building a company because it's, it's hard work. Um, But, but for me, that was really, you know, where, where it was in the early days days. But um, I, I think I, I had a jump start because my um, that first job out of school that I mentioned was um, in finance, where I was basically looking across the entire ecosystem and finding like interesting areas of healthcare, and ended up stumbling in women's health because of my personal interest and also fertility within that. And it was through that process that I learned all of the business of infertility and how. IVF clinics work, the science of infertility. But then it was really that emotional aspect and talking to women that stuck with me where, you know, I would have these women saying, you know, I don't know, I didn't know that fertility declined with age, or I didn't know that IVF worked for every single person. And so it was kind of this, you know, initial baseline understanding Then it was that experience of actually going to the clinic trying to get that testing done that I had learned about back in private equity and getting told no. And then the third part was just having conversations uh, with my friends. First it was friends, then it was friends of friends and eventually hundreds of women just saying and raising their hands like, hey, like I want to know this too. And I think that those are kind of some of the uh, aspects that come to the, you know, is there a a market (laughs) in demand to launch this thing? And so, um, yeah. Oh, gosh. What was what was next. From there, it was um, learning the science. So I was going to medical conferences. I shadowed in an infertility clinic um, and was in the room uh, talking to these gracious um, women and people with ovaries that let me like into their consults and into their worlds and this super personal experience. I was sitting down with financial teams at these clinics. I was um, sending cold emails to anyone that would talk to me. I was just obsessed. I read every single piece of literature for months in this this category. And it was really... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, recruiting a medical advisory board to, to be a sounding board for, for what proactive fertility should look like. And then it was, uh, yeah, okay, how do we take and develop, in our case, a test? So we wanted to take the same hormones that you would test for in an infertility clinic take them out of the clinic and make them easy to test at home. Um, So we ended up validating uh, a finger stick test. So you could just do a finger stick, like what diabetics use, Mm -hmm. put drops of blood on a card, mail it out to our lab and then get access to the modern fertility experience. And so uh, that was flying around uh, the country and meeting with labs, just putting together all of these different aspects and then uh, fundraising and trying to raise capital um, because my bank account only got us so far to make that vision a reality. So cool. So brilliant.
0: And, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> for a, those who don't know, it's because I, I went through the process yesterday, but even you told me more today, which is so fascinating. I mean, so what I also love about the website, which I think is so smart is like when you when you go to the site and you say, okay, I'm going to log in or whatever, create an account, how it asks you like, are you trying at all? Or like, yes, maybe I'm trying or like, I'm not trying. Or like, I'd like to try in a few years, like just here because I'm curious about what's going on with my body. There's so many options and it's not just what I'd love to be like an advocate for moving forward is like, don't wait until you're trying. I wouldn't even wait until I had a partner. If like I would Like if I had access to this earlier, I would have done this as a single person just to know where my body stands and get proactive about it right? I mean, it's just unbelievable. How many different tests do you offer, by the way?
1: Yeah. So I well, I love that you said that, and and yeah, that's our our vision is that every woman can start to have her this fertility information as, as early as she she wants it. And you can actually test your hormones year over year. And unfortunately, fertility declines with age. And every woman kind of has a different curve. We all hit menopause at slightly different ages. From when we go from you know birth, where we have all the eggs we're ever going to have, to almost zero at menopause. That transition looks a little bit different for everyone. And so. So you can use hormones to start to understand what that overall process looks like. So when you come to our site and you take that quiz, we test for between two and eight hormones dependent on the type of birth control you're taking, if any. So some birth control blocks ovulation, and so we won't test for hormones associated with ovulation, um, but everyone uh, will test for thyroid and ovarian reserve through your AMH. And then uh, last month, we launched two other hormones that you could test. Uh, in other ways, we launched ovulation Testing and pregnancy testing. Uh, So, ovulation, uh, you basically can pee on a stick and understand the amount of LH in your urine, which helps you predict your two most fertile days every month. And then, pregnancy, uh, you test for HCG in your Mm -hmm. urine, and that tells you if you are pregnant or not. And so, those tests and and ovulation, especially where the modern fertility hormone test is kind of your baseline it's your okay, here's where my body is, here's how I understand. know where I'm at. And then ovulation is this kind of zoomed in view of your cycle and understanding what that uh, ovulation surge looks like every, every month. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. You made the comment about starting to look at this even before you're trying. We're seeing uh, women come to us and by that are actively trying to conceive that just want more information about when those two most fertile days are. And then we see other women that are transitioning off birth control that are like, whoa, like, do I even ovulate? Like, am I releasing an egg? every mm-hmm. month and they're like, yes, like let me let me buy the test, which we tried to price as excessively as we possibly could. We have a free app that goes along with it just to to give that that insight.
0: I can't believe that the ovulation kit you can scan into the app and it'll tell you the days you're going to. I mean, you just saved like um, the last year, the amount of like shitty ovulation sticks I've been using and that are like kind of like, and I'm like, okay, I think I'm ovulating. And then I'm like, they seem like they span for like too many days. And I just was like, why is this so hard to track? (laughs) I'm like, <laughs> I know. Well, that's why
1: we started to develop this because we we launched a community as just like a way for women to talk to other women. And we just kept seeing all of these women say like, oh, like, it's so strange. Like, ovulation tests just don't work for me. Um, and oh, yeah, like, I'm just not getting the right results or like, mm, maybe it's my body. And I mean, that's ridiculous. Like what other product exists in the world where women just accept the fact that it doesn't work for them? Like that's not okay. And so we looked at the whole landscape and for the majority of tests that exist, it's it's that kind of same like yes or no. And it just tells you if you're ovulating or not. And typically um, it's if you're above 25 MIUs of LH in your urine, it's a smiley face. And if not, you don't get the smiley face. Yeah. And so we let you know if you are surging or not, but we also tell you the specific amount of LH in your urine along the way. So instead of just that like, oh shit, like I'm ovulating, you can actually see the curve across your entire cycle and then record it all in one place with your period. Uh, if you are taking pregnancy tests, it'll tell you which day to test uh, with an early pregnancy test and just have it, just make it a little bit easier.
0: Also, being able to be told what day to take the test is unbelievably fabulous because I'm always like, Do I take it now? Do I wait? And then I've taken tests when I was pregnant that came back negative, you know, and I'm like, Oh, maybe I, I took it too early. Like, Because no matter what, everyone says you're supposed to relax. But no matter what, if you're trying, like, I want to take a test before I miss my period. And like, I want to know right away. Like, I'm not going to be like all oh, cool and chill and be like, Oh, I'll just see if I miss my period. Like, I'm counting days here. I'm going to put you on to a little secret. Davide and I were having a cocktail one night at Chateau Marmont and realized quickly upon our first sip of our Negronis that it was just about the best Negroni we'd ever had. We asked the bartender what the secret ingredient was and he said, Monkey 47 gin. So I cannot tell you how excited I am to partner with them. Monkey 47 is the gin with a cult following amongst bartenders and connoisseurs alike and one of the most in-demand brands in the world's top cocktail bars. Monkey 47 is known for its unique and eccentric recipe using, you guessed it, 47 botanicals, including crushed lingonberries, hand-peeled citrus, and freshly ground spices. Monkey 47 is an ultra-premium German gin and a hidden gem from Germany's Black Forest to learn more about monkey 47 gin visit their website at monkey47.com or instagram at monkey47 please as always drink responsibly
1: we just talked to so many women oh, for years and like these are the conversations and the real talk that we've had with with so many people where it's like no we want to like hear like this is a huge <laughs> decision it's a huge process it's incredibly emotional and like how can we use science to an education to normalize a part of it and also just help you understand to, how to be a better advocate for yourself, to yourself, to your doctor, to all of these other people to just understand and have more insights to this process that I think uh, historically, it's just been a, a total black box.
0: So what do you suggest? So someone gets the test, which by the way, I find it wildly affordable. It was hundred and. But you know, when I went through the whole process, at one hundred and fifty nine dollars, and that includes the labs and everything. It includes the labs. It also includes
1: a one-on-one consult with a fertility nurse. If you have more questions, you get access to a personalized dashboard with all of these reports around every hormone that we test for. And then some, uh, we have a weekly webinar that we call an Aganar, in case you're not into reading and you're more into podcasts uh, and access to our, our modern community to just talk to, to other women and, and hear about their journeys. That's
0: Thanks. wildly HSA, affordable. HSA, FSA eligible as well. <laughs> Wow. I mean, cause I've been doing all these tests and there's, it's so expensive. I mean, I've, obviously I have insurance, but even still after insurance, it's like some things are covered. Some things aren't covered. I mean, it's every time I go in for labs, I'm like, Oh my God. Like. Yeah.
1: Well, that was where, um, yeah. I mean, I got my $1,500 bill and even when we were fundraising at the beginning of the company, I remember sitting down and meeting with investors and they were like, Oh, okay. Well, it's $1,500. Like, why don't you just price your test at like five or $600? And like that, that's great. That's great, you should do that. And we were like, no, like that's not the point. The point is making this type of testing ubiquitous, and we are going to have, like, make our pricing as accessible as possible. And then our our, our business model is based on the fact that we're going to achieve scale, and we're going to take all of those savings and just pass them on to our customers. And so that was really. Uh, it turns out it's a little bit harder to to find investors when <laughs> you stick to that model, and it's. Um, it's gotten easier over the years as we've gotten more traction and built the conversation around some of these, these things. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's that, that ethos around this product, uh, around even our pregnancy and ovulation tests. When you look at the, the pricing relative to anyone else in the category, it was just how can we, th- there shouldn't be, Uh, a pink tax (laughs) around how you get this information about your body. I mean, I wish it was free, but if we have to charge something for it, how can we make this work at the the lowest cost possible? Mm -hmm.
0: I think it would be even in everyone's best interest to do the ovulation kit to find out Like, even if you're like single, like no, not to have sex on those two days. (laughs) Like, yeah.
1: So I am not on hormonal birth control and I'm not actively trying to conceive. And when we started getting into this category, I am obsessed with tracking my ovulation. I have an irregular cycle. Uh, So for me, I mean, this is embarrassing, but I still don't know when my period is going to come every month and <laughs> actually tracking my ovulation, tracking my period and having it all in one place, just the level of insight I have into my body and to understand like what that looks like has just been, it's so fun too. It's like, you know, those little like LH strips that you used to use and uh, our pH strips that you used to use mm-hmm. and high school. It's just like, I don't know. It's like a fun part of my morning. It's not for <laughs> everyone. I think that there's some um, women and, and people with ovaries that just want to like, yeah, when I'm trying, I'm going to try, I'm going to see if it works. And if not, I'll go from there. And like, that's yeah. cool. Too. We're not around to make like any um, prescriptive statements about how this process should work. I think it's just, if you do and, and are the type of person that like wants to take that step and learn a little bit more, there's all of these Really fun, trusted ways that you can do it and and how do we make those solutions
0: fun and, and accessible so speaking to you specifically because I know so many people have pcOS, um, those strips are able to even track your irregular ovulations yeah, so
1: what uh, that's a great question so within the app, if you have over uh, less than a twenty one day cycle or over thirty five we won't predict when your next uh, ovulation cycle will be because it's if it's irregular, we don't want to... Science can't do that. <laughs> we'll continue to work hard and, and see if there, there is a way, but that's kind of the bounds that we have on it. But what you can do is every day, you know, pee on, uh, in a cup, dip your strip in and understand, you know, where are you ovulating? Are you surging? Which and that LH surge typically comes right before ovulation and you can time that two day window. And so some women with PCOS ovulate, uh, irregularly, and then some don't ovulate at all and are an ovulatory. If you are an ovulatory, it is, uh, impossible to get pregnant naturally on that cycle because there's no egg that's releasing into mm-hmm. your fallopian tubes that has the opportunity to, to meet sperm. And so even that insight is just really helpful and has other health implications associated with it. So it's just great to know whether you're trying or not, but by tracking your, your ovulation and using this semi-quantitative test to do so rather than just this yes, no, uh, you know, am I hitting 25 mm-hmm. or, or not? It's just that that insightful way, where you can, uh, we say, be the the master of your
0: mm-hmm. your And in terms of test results, so once say I go do the full panel of everything, do you make diagnoses, or do you say, hey, here are your results. Like we like, you know, here's a little red mark here. Like that's something to be concerned about. Like how do you communicate what the levels are, what's deemed quote unquote normal, and then how do you suggest communicating that to your doctor.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So we there is no diagnosis that we can make with hormone tests alone. All of the modern fertility experience is is wellness information. It's educating our customers about what all of these hormones are, what your levels are, and information about each of those so that you can have a more informed conversation with your doctor. And so what we do is we look in your blood and we detect uh, the level of that hormone that you have in your blood. And then we map it on what's called a reference range where uh, it's kind of between high and low if you are in the the normal range for that hormone. And then based on your age, some of the self-reported information that you've given us and that level, we customize a full report that can help you understand uh, more of that information so that when you are learning about all of this, you can have that kind of baseline level of understanding to have that more informed conversation with your doctor. Uh, We also have a doctor discussion guide that you can download within that just, uh, I I don't know. I, I always find whenever I'm going to my OB appointment or if you know, you're know you seeing a reproductive endocrinologist, it's just, I have brain freeze um, at the beginning. I have like all of these things that and I Every want. time I leave the doctor's appointment, I'm like, fuck
0: all the things i going to happen.
1: Wouldn't it be so nice if it just, uh, someone else did all of the work for you in terms of like some of the things you could be talking about and had a place to, to mm-hmm. kind of have that in one place. So yeah, how do we have this central? repository and way. And again, talking to so many women and being like, hell yes, like this makes sense. Let's do that.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. That's really what always, that's every time I leave the doctor, I'm like, Oh, because you get so excited on your way there. And you're thinking about, Oh oh gosh, I need to remember this. I need to remember that. Are there any, um, like, do you want to, la- because everyone's always like, what do I ask for? Like, what's important? So will you explain what like, you know, F, I'm sorry, what is it? FSH. Yeah. And what's yeah, the yeah. other big one?
1: So FSH and AMH are kind of the two markers, the two uh, markers. around ovarian reserve. So anti-malarian hormone, AMH, that's like the... That's my favorite hormone, and I, I guess it's it's hard to say which one is more or less important when you look across the board because if one is abnormal, it starts to become more important than some of the others. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like you know, if if I if you look at normal levels of all all of these, I would pay the most attention to AMH, anti-malarian hormone. So AMH is um, super cool. It's basically secreted by the cells that surround the follicles in your ovary. And so every uh, follicle pretty much contains an egg. And so by looking at the amount of AMH in your blood, you're actually able to have a proxy of how many eggs you have in your ovaries,
0: Mm. uh, which is pretty
1: cool. Uh, And so based on where that is uh, for you, it's not an indication of your ability to get pregnant today that you only need one egg and one sperm to, to do it, but it's really helpful for understanding red Flag. So, if that number is super, super low or super, super high, um, that's correlated with other conditions. For example, uh, often women with PCOS have really high uh, egg count and number of eggs in their their ovaries because they're not you're not ovulating. Um, so, it actually. I wish I could speak to the scientific basis of it. Um, I don't. I don't know. Uh, there, there's all of these like fun uh, misconceptions and how they tie together. Like, oh, if I'm on birth control, does that mean my ovarian reserve is going to be higher? And the answer is sadly mm,
0: no. Yeah, it's not. Oh, okay, you're you're right. getting to mm.
1: hold up everything over time. Um, I'll get back to you on that one. We can do a, a follow-up around uh, some of the, <laughs> the reasons for that. But but yeah, so like AMH will tie into the some of those. It also helps you understand Menopause onset, so it won't predict the exact day. But if you're slightly earlier than average or slightly later than average, the average age for American women is 51 years old, and that fertility decline um, and transition can occur up to 10 years before that. And so, let's say that you know when we think about someone that's 40 today, they can definitely get pregnant, but it's not every single person. And so, understanding. Uh, let's say you were at risk for early menopause onset at uh, 45 as opposed to 51. Then at 35, what if for you, that is what you have in your mind for someone that would be 40? It's just like that level of information can help you.
0: Amazing. Of course. Yes. So
1: as you go through every one of your hormones, what we do is we kind of like break down the different things that you can learn uh, that are the same things that if you went into an infertility clinic and started to get this baseline, the conversation that they would be having. The problem there is uh, there's only 500 infertility clinics in the US, there's only Mm. 2000 reproductive endocrinologists. So it would be really hard for every single woman or person with ovaries today to make an appointment at one of those clinics and expensive and probably not the best use of time for for all of those (laughs) clinicians. So how can we start to have this conversation in a broader way and kind of uh, equip all of us to to have that baseline?
0: And what is FSH? That's the quality of the egg? So
1: unfortunately, there is no test for egg quality. Uh, the best indication of egg quality is your age. Basically, as eggs exist in your body for a longer period of time, uh, they degrade and have chromosomal abnormalities associated with them. And mm-hmm. so, egg quality and age—that's going to be your most reliable me- uh, measure. FSH is a super cool hormone. It basically surges and tries to activate that initial egg to to jumpstart ovulation to release it into your your fallopian tube. And so, if If your body has to release a lot, a lot, a lot of FSH to really push hard to release that egg, that means that it's basically a lot harder to to do that. And so when you look at that higher level, often that's correlated with uh, a lower ovarian reserve in some cases, sometimes um, FSH and menopause testing. There's just other things we can learn from that hormone. That was kind of the most popular hormone before AMH gained uh, its its popularity (laughs) over the, the last 40 years. Um, So now you hear a lot more about AMH than FSH. Uh, We like to test for both because there's still less common cases where you can have discordant AMH and FSH, where instead of telling the same story, so let's say you have really low AMH and really high FSH, um, sometimes those levels might not tell a story and that has other information that can be helpful for your doctor as well. And so we try to test more that bring it all together. Final thing that I'll say about FSH is that it's really important that you test this hormone called estradiol, which we also test for in combination with FSH because estradiol can mask what would be an otherwise Uh. high FSH in your blood. And so if you're not testing for both of them at the same time, then your FSH result doesn't really mean anything. And so um, that's something that, yeah, if you're you're asking around and and getting your hormone tested, just make sure that FSH and estradiol, you two go,
0: go side by side. I think that I was just having this conversation before we hopped on. uh, I was talking about how now, like for our generation, it's all about being, which I hate this term, but like a boss babe and like, you know, being like fit and healthy and cool. And then having like a fabulous startup and like Forbes 30 or 30 is like whatever. And at no point did anyone say to me, hey, like, are you thinking about your reproductive health? Or like, do you want to have kids? Or even my mother, because she had her first son and was married so young, always said to me, live your life, like travel, like, you know, experience everything I couldn't experience. And so I've always had had that in my head. And now at 33, which is not old, but having two doctors tell me I'm old, I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me at 25 to get some goddamn tests done? And so I do think that it will be so powerful and so important to understand. I mean, I'm mind blown by the fact that you can kind of get a gauge of like when you may be hitting menopause. Like imagine just being like, hey, just like FYI, you have like oh, yeah. eight years left about mm-hmm. to think yeah, about and it's this. I'm not going to
1: predict, and it's not, it's not a perfect science, just like getting your cholesterol tested uh, it's not going to predict when you're going to have a heart attack, but you're going to understand more about your body and you're going to understand more about your body through these different indicators than you would without them. And so, yeah, that is exactly like... I, I could not have said it better myself. Like where times are changing. We're having kids at different times than our... our uh, parents because we got, we got shit to do. Uh, and the statistics speak to it. The average age of first birth in major metropolitan cities is now 31 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and millennials are waiting until longer than any generation in the history of the U S to start their families. And this is a trend when you look internationally, we're just going to continue to see this accelerate. But the problem is we just, we don't have the education up front and we haven't normalized this conversation. Like there's still so much stigma that's associated with infertility, infertility and fertility and talking about all of this and like I love it. I could nerd out talking about hormones all day. So I apologize if I, I went too <laughs> okay, no, it's great. <laughs> but this is like what gets me so excited. And I just um I mean these conversations are emotional. They're they're hard and they're science but like there's a way that we can destigmatize these conversations and just empower women to feel okay having these conversations and wanting this information because mm-hmm. they they deserve it. And I think that that's, um, that's really the, the world that I think it sounds like we're both fighting for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My God. Is there anything that you learned from... I'm sure you've done... I mean, all the extensive research you've done the last few years in terms of... And this is just like you personally, in terms of like diet or like supplements or anything that you were like, mm, I like now. No, too much to like know that I like am not going to eat that or like not going to drink this or like won't do that. Oh my gosh.
1: So many things. Well, I remember I was at the American
0: Society for Reproductive Medicine, which is
1: um, a long name of a conference, but it's basically this consortium of all of the reproductive endocrinologists uh, across the globe that come and present their literature and findings and research and share information every year. This year, I think it's, I guess it's probably going to be digital. digital uh, huh? But I remember sitting in this session um, and hearing this this amazing um, scientist and physician talk about how, she saw so many of her patients that were trying to conceive and were like, great, like I'm going to try to get healthy. And they would all go on these like green juice, like superfood diets. And then their nutrient levels, well, their whole body and makeup and gut would change. And then their nutrient levels for some of these hormones would spike. And it actually created a hostile environment uh, for an embryo and and, an embryo wasn't able to implant in the uterine wall. So basically they were supercharging, thinking that they were doing all of the right things, uh, but it was actually making them unable to get pregnant. And so... It's just, there are these companies kind of pushing diets and pushing these changes without the actual research and clinical science before them. And I think that that's, you know, when we were doing our research and taking a step back and actually being like, okay, well, you know, what studies show this and what studies show that? It's it's really scary, especially when you have you know, uh, a woman or a couple or or someone with ovaries that that is so highly motivated to to make all of this, this happen. And so I think that, that the approach that we've taken is really tried to be like very clinically sound and science-based in everything that we do, every blog post that we write. Uh, And it turns out that lifestyle, life cycle. Wow. What a day. (laughs) lifestyle (laughs) and nutrient levels are, are definitely a part of a healthy pregnancy, but it's important to make sure that like the latest bad diet or like the latest, um, supplement that you're, you're careful about, um, Mm -hmm. what you're, you're putting in your body and, and impacting that process.
0: That was, uh, my biggest, well, not one, but like a huge takeaway from, I told you, my conversation with Alyssa Vitti, which I didn't realize that all the research and studies behind diets and exercise are done on fucking men. <laughs> and so like, I've been intermittent fasting and doing HIT workouts and being keto for years now. And like, kind of like, you know, felt kind of good, but then would be like, uh, and then she's like, yeah, all those things like cause infertility. Like you're drinking like a giant bulletproof coffee in the morning and you're not having breakfast and then you're doing like a HIT workout like no <laughs> it's not we're yeah, we, the
1: opposite we need so much more studies on women, we need more education. Um, there's some amazing work that's happening right now. And I think as a company, we're trying to continue it. So when you purchase the modern fertility hormone tests um, and soon for ovulation and pregnancy, you have the option to consent to have your anonymized data used in peer-reviewed oh, research. Wonderful. So you own your data. It's totally yours. We'll ask you for your permission, but it's still you know up to you. Uh, and then what we do is we take all of that consented data and we're doing all of our own research to eventually tie into this better predictor of future fertility. So how does lifestyle and different uh, factors play a role in fertility, but also start to synthesize parts of this data and publish it along the way. So it's an, an area that I am super passionate about. And you just, you hear so much anecdotally from women that take the test or, you know, I was super unhealthy and stressed about my wedding and, you know, here are my levels here. And then I... in then I got super unstressed and moved and I'm so happy and my levels are here. But we need more research to actually change the status quo, to change guidelines and to to help women have more personalized, specific information to to use that to make mm-hmm. the decisions that are right for them.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This is so helpful. And the website is so charming and fabulous. And the tests that I got for ovulation and pregnancy are So, first of all, so aesthetically pleasing. I'm like so happy to not have these like giant pink, gross, outdated boxes in my bathroom. I was like, I'm going to display these. Like (laughs) they're so divine and I'm just feel so empowered and I'm so thankful. And I can't wait to pee on a strip tomorrow and scan it into the app. I'm like
1: so excited oh that the, that's music to my ears. That makes me so happy to <laughs> hear. Um, no, but, but seriously, I think, thank, thank you for having this conversation out in the open, talking about fertility and infertility and your journey here, uh, and on your, your channels. I just, I think it's so important and, and so powerful and well, just you. awesome. So thank you. Thank, thank you for having me. Where can people find you? Yeah, so you can uh, find us at modernfertility.com. Uh, you can email us hi at modernfertility.com. Instagram modernfertility. I'm Afton Vetchery. Um, my email is Afton at modernfertility.com. Please reach out, talk to us. Uh, let's let's have a conversation.
0: Also, for everyone, the website has a like a blog section with a plethora of fascinating information that's so helpful. So definitely look at that too.
1: Thank you. It's all doctor reviewed. Uh, We spend a ton of time curating it and keeping it up to speed. So I am so glad you
0: found it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Afton. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And that ladies and gentlemen concludes this week's episode of everything is the best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment, but remember shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barancini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao.